Hey everybody, it's episode number 15. Again, I thank everybody for being here. I honestly, I, I really do appreciate anybody that takes the time to listen to this story. And uh, obviously the stories to come, but episode number 15. That's, uh, that's a lot of minutes of talking. But No, I hope everybody had a good day. It was a Saturday. I, uh, I played in the mud all day. Had a good time doing it and, and made a few dollars to pay that electric bill, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how, how I come out on that. But but uh, the struggle is real, everybody. The struggle is real. But now episode number 15, I think I just left everybody off with uh, number 14, kind of getting into physical therapy, occupational therapy, everybody just kind of coming into my room. Uh, to try to do a little work with me and whatnot, and then I uh, still on that ventilator at this point. We're going. We're at month five here, so we're we're in in the fifth month. It's been a long five months. Um, five months of complete paralysis, respiratory failure. That uh, first few months of that uh, 104 plus fever um, collapsed lung after collapsed lung I uh, had discovered my girlfriend at the time had moved on uh, after coming out of a comatose state um, and then I got the uh, evidence to prove that she had moved on but uh, yeah very very uh, crazy five months five months the uh collapse lung after collapse lung was a real a real routine thing that was really taking control of me because it seemed like every time i'd wake up from from a long nap i'd have a chest tube in me and i tell you what it hurt but it got to the point there after that after being in and out of the comatose stuff that after that phase there every time i collapsed that lung i was typically awake for when they would put the chest tubes in i don't know if y'all have had a chest tube in if you have you'll know what i'm talking about but they literally it's a small little incision in between the ribs and uh the doctor says there's gonna be a little pressure and a pop and they put that tube up into that incision and bam right through the dang cartilage between your ribs and it pops it's, I remember it clearly sounding about like a some kind of cap gun or something going off it was kind of disturbing in a way and then they position it just right and they taped the thing down and you got the thing in there and it's kind of crazy because once I could turn my head enough to see that tube I could look at it and I could see this this light red almost pink fluid going through that tube it was it was actually something else really honestly I mean the human body's weird you know but I mean in a way it makes sense it's uh it's like a motor it's a finely tuned motor obviously when you drop along it's like dropping a piston <laughs> it it uh it all worked out, you know. But yeah, month five. Been through a lot up to this point. They're trying to get me to move a little bit. By this time, I'm moving my my thumbs and my wrists a little bit. My fingers 
themselves just weren't really uh, doing a whole lot. So if you think about it, as I said in earlier episodes, the guitar was... That was my number one go-to since I was a, a kid. Okay, and that that uh, that guitar saved my life in, in, on multiple, multiple, multiple occasions. Just being able to strum a little music and kind of lose myself into my music a little bit, and that was that was therapeutical to me. So in this situation, just kind of stop and think for a second about how hard that is, because. This is the one time in my life when I was going through the hardest thing in my life. And I couldn't even hold on to one of those things. It was it was pretty depressing. But the more I thought about it, the more depressing it got. Because when I knew that my fingers weren't moving, my thumbs were and my wrists were. <clears throat> but, uh, and a little tiny bit at the elbows. Um... I was honestly thinking the way it was all the trying to come back there, my thumbs, my wrists, my elbows. I was I was really convinced that my fingers were not coming back. And uh, the sad reality is it's it's been six years and uh, they still haven't came back really. So but 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 I am playing my guitar again it's a random miracle we'll get into into that story a little further down the road but I do find it kind of amazing to myself even that I can pick that guitar up and strum chords without any working fingers so uh, I got very very little movement in my fingers as a matter of fact there's there's one on each hand that I can kind of straighten out but the rest of them don't really do anything but i have somehow learned how to play that guitar so keep listening because even when i get through the gbs stuff here i'm going into stories and some of those stories uh the level of determination has myself even pretty uh pretty amazed honestly so yeah definitely definitely follow follow up for them stories but yeah no at month five i could have really used that guitar it was it was that that time where i was i was struggling enough that some good music really would have hit the spot with that whole deal but by this time a month five they're actually shopping around so what we got is we got into a situation there where i'm just about done i'm on a respiratory floor like i said i continuously kept collapsing my left lung and uh, so my chest on the left side looks like I've been shot with a machine gun but uh, I uh, I I just I went through a, a spot there where where I almost felt like I was all, all the better I was ever gonna get like I kind of had it in my head that that's what was going on physical therapy and occupational therapy would come in and they worked with me a little bit but it just didn't seem like we were making any ground so month five they started shopping around for a rehabilitation hospital the trick was they had to find a rehabilitation hospital that could handle taking a patient for physical therapy and occupational therapy that was still on a ventilator 
and there ain't a whole lot of them out there they there's uh physical rehab all all across the board for people that are not on ventilators but if you're on a ventilator i mean at that point in time i mean realistically your lungs aren't even working so stepping up to uh the physical side of a recovery when you're when your own diaphragm and lungs you can't even breathe on your own that is a different ball game for real i mean it but they they do have some requirements as far as how much the uh ventilator support you're actually getting so once you kind of minimize down to what they call just room air which is kind of an air assist which it's taking just basic air and it's kind of making making you breathe as it as it does its thing there but it as it's a little more realistic as to how you would be breathing if your lungs were actually functioning so once you get to that level then some of the facilities that do the rehabilitation they're uh they're willing to work with you and get you in so they can start pushing you into that next phase but we finally found a uh, facility that I was gonna go to well that I went to um the guy the the Leonze that comes in and kind of gives his spiel about uh, their facility he comes in you know and it's oh hey you know we we're so good at what we do that uh um, we're cranking patients out and we've got people coming in that are completely quads and they, they, they run out of the building. We just can't keep them in there. I mean, it's, that's what they, that's, what they speak, speak to, you know, they, and then they, you know, obviously they've been in business for so long that, that, uh, back in the stone age, you know, they were, they were providing therapy back then too. So, but no, it, uh. They found they found one and it was the guy came in and talked to me and they asked me what I thought and I you know as we talked in the last episodes uh, my communication has turned into uh, turning my head with a pair of glasses on that has a laser pointer mounted to them that way I could spell things out on the board um, and people could actually talk to me and communicate a little bit so. They came in there and set the board up and asked me what I thought about uh, the place that that they were offering me and and I I was I was like you know what let's let's do it you know let's let's get on this let's move forward I'm ready to see what what comes next you know so they got me all set up and prepared to go to uh, this facility and it was another facility there in Colorado and um. I went down and they uh, they took me down there in an ambulance. They got me all packed up at Penrose. They uh, uh, brought an ambulance to do the transport because I had to have a transport from uh, Penrose to the new facility, which obviously where I'm still on life support, I kind of had to have a medical transport, but. But no, I uh, I get down to the new facility and we get in there and I, I'm thinking, you know, after the guy came in and gave his spiel and everything and gave me the lowdown on what their facility had to offer me and what their intentions were for me, 
I was kind of excited to see what what this facility had in store and I got in there and the first thing they did was they wheeled me around a little bit to kind of give me a tour of the place and obviously we've got a portable uh, ventilator unit that is attached right to the bed there and they're wheeling me around and and uh, they find a room for me and uh, it uh, it felt like it was going to be a good place to be the only thing was is I honestly had no idea what what was in store I uh, I up to that time I had had really good luck with some of the best nurses and doctors and CNAs uh, radiologists that would come in from time to time I mean I had the best of of anybody I ever experienced at Penrose Penrose was an awesome facility they took great care of me and they were really proactive when it came to making sure I was staying in the best uh, in the best shape and the best care possible so that's what I was used to when I got to this new facility I, I figured out that there are facilities out there that that are a little different I did not have a good time at this new facility this new facility was was uh, kind of hell for me to be honest with you uh, there were certain certain people that were uh, employed there uh, some of the CNAs weren't too bad some of the nurses weren't too bad um, they had a, a couple different doctors that would come through there and uh, they weren't too bad the respiratory therapist I was a little a little concerned about um, heck of a cool guy and stuff he just pretty radical the guy was pretty radical and only being able to move my wrists and my thumbs and a little tiny bit of my elbow and my head side to side I uh radical just wasn't real appealing to me so I uh I was a little nervous from from right off the bat there one cool thing that they had going was they actually so I my longing for music and and that depression I was going through just based on the fact that I couldn't pick my guitar up and and uh, play away my stress and stuff it was actually kind of compromised at this facility they actually had a local musician that would come in he just played guitar and he would go from room to room and he'd take some requests and stuff and and sit there and play for you and it was it was really neat so he uh he actually came down to my room i remember he came down to my room and he played uh right off the bat he played mary jane's last dance with tom petty which was one of my favorite songs to play at the time or before this had happened and uh and yeah he, he came down and and we had a good time uh doing that it was a little frustrating because we didn't have my communication set up quite as well as we did it was uh the staff it was which this is another thing that is really important so when you transfer from facility to facility the facility that you're leaving it is extremely important have your family uh, advocate for you on this or what whatever you you have to do if you develop a, a system of, of something like communication like the system that I had 
um make sure the staff transfers that information i mean because i'm not gonna kid you part of the nightmare of going to this new facility was the fact they were not on board with my new form of communication and the people that would come into that room they just kind of treated me like uh like that that was something that just didn't that didn't work you know the poster board the laser pointer i mean they they didn't take that as serious as i did you know and how do you express it when they're not helping you uh be able to express it so so it's kind of a big thing you know to make sure that the facilities are communicating you transfer to a new one i mean sometimes that's what the situation is sometimes the facility that you're in just doesn't have what you need okay and like in my situation extensive physical therapy extensive occupational ter therapy that's what i needed in, in the hospital you know back there there you know their primary deal is to keep you alive and get you ready for that next step so that's what they do but it is important that they transfer the information you know give that new facility a good understanding of all the different things you were doing in the first facility that way they know what to expect like this facility would have known that hey my poster boards and the sunglasses and laser pointer that's in my travel bag that they brought with that's how i talk that was my communication that was the only way i could talk to people these people acted like that was nothing that there was there was nothing there and it and it got super annoying um the uh respiratory therapist one thing that i did like about him was he was he was really trying to get me off that ventilator really trying and uh, we'd take me off for a little bit and i would get some uh get some time off of it and in the last facility they were doing the same thing they would they'd basically set it down to where it was just a little pressure assist uh, something to kind of help push the air a little bit along and uh, it's like it's like minimal assistance you know so it kind of I think reminds your lungs and, and the different components in your body that is needed to make the lungs function it kind of exercises that kind of gives that all a reminder but uh, we'd take me down and put it just on on the on the regular assist there at the lowest level and there was days in the in the first facility in penrose there where i would i would have uh, uh sometimes a few minutes where i was basically basically breathing you know but then there was some days where just taking it off for a few seconds and i would it would dang near kill me so they're really in this new facility they're really trying to work with me on getting me off of that ventilator it was it was kind of a, a goal for everybody and it it was something that i knew was going to make my life a lot easier because once i was off that ventilator it opened the doorway for me to go to a lot of amazing places to get further help with this stuff 
and and that was a that was a huge deal to me was being able to get out there and and uh, make dang sure I was getting the right stuff. So my little boy at the time, I hadn't really seen him. Um, his mom was out doing her thing, and and uh, I was I was actually away from town. This new facility was about an hour away, um, if that, 45 minutes maybe. And uh, um, so he didn't he didn't really get to come around, and she really hadn't been bringing him in to that first facility, anyways. He was gone for a long time. We got him back, or she did. She got him back after my friend's daughter had passed away. Um, she had to take him back. She had to take him, and he ended up back in Colorado with her. But uh, I didn't get to see him. So at that first facility, children weren't allowed in the ICU. And then with everything going on and, and her move forward on her own with her own life and that stuff... Um, it just wasn't happening there. I, my lyric time with my boy was very minimal. So in a way, it was kind of crushing, you know. So, but uh, but no. And my other three kids, they were still stuck up in Wyoming. They after they had left and seen me the one time, traveling around just wasn't wasn't an easy thing. And uh, but you know we we. Uh, we continued to do the thing where I would have family or somebody come in and they would open up my cell phone and they would, uh, they would set it up to where I, uh, was on speaker phone and I could at least hear my kids and they, they would call and get my kids on the phone so I could hear them. And even though I couldn't talk, but, but no, it was, it was a, uh, adapting to the new place was, was very very hard because like I said I mean the situation not being able to see my boy and and my other kids being away and not being able to play the guitar and stuff I was I was pretty much just stuck in my own head trying to trying to go into this new facility with completely blindfolded I, I didn't really didn't really have any kind of an upper hand in my own thinking as to how to manage it so I mean they they did what they could and this new facility had a great physical therapy and, and occupational therapy and I had a speech therapist that was coming in that was trying to help me exercise my mouth uh, like just how my mouth was working because it was pretty sluggish there for a while and, and uh, in order to be able to open my mouth and be able to try to activate the muscles in my neck that was that was her her first move at trying to trying to help me at least be ready for when they took that ventilator off but i mean we were doing our thing my biggest complaint with this facility was the staff for for nursing and, and the cnas um i feel like it was pretty understaffed and uh what had ended up happening being as i could move my head from side to side a lot of people are like well how did you hit a call light button if you were paralyzed and just simply couldn't do that like how, how did you make that work so what it was was and if you get on my website www.shaneinspires.com there's actually a picture maybe two pictures in there of this call light mechanism that, that they had set up and it was a pillow 
uh, wedge. So this, just this wedge that sits on the pillow and they just kind of rest it in next to my head. So to activate the call light, all I gotta do is roll my head from side to side. And my head itself will activate the button. So we did this and, and the day shift wasn't too bad. It was pretty busy around there during the days. The nights was the worst experience ever. Uh, part of my part of my PTSD that I deal with to this day is actually developed from some of the things that happened in this facility. One of the things that happened in this facility was I tripped my call light. So remember I I told you I was on tube feeding, so I was still dealing with that, still doing a tube feeding. Had a hose hanging out of my gut for tube feeding. And uh I uh um I think I told everybody in one of the last episodes that when you're on on tube feeding like that and that's the only intake your body will soak out some of the nutrition that's coming out of that but realistically it's really common to have really bad diarrhea with tube feeding I mean and then on top of that it's a really acidic diarrhea so I mean this is this is painful stuff every time it would happen and there wasn't anything I could do about it it was just it was just how it was but there was, there was a couple different nights there where uh, I'd feel that happen and I'd, I'd trip that call light with my head, roll my head over to the left and, and push the call light button. And I would know that I, I got it because they had a light position just outside the door that you could see would start flashing when you would hit that call light. So it definitely, it definitely wasn't a, oh, you, maybe you didn't get a hit thing because I paid really close attention to that stuff. But I had a lot of situations there where the nurses, I tripped that call out and it would take an hour for somebody to come in and check on me. Um, that's just, that's how it was. So it, it, it got pretty, uh, pretty chaotic because like I said, about half of the staff was good. The other half was, wasn't all that great, but I, uh, I was pretty worked up over the fact that it was taking them so long to give me the attention that I actually needed. It wasn't a cry for attention. It was a get myself cleaned up type of thing, uh, before I start doing some real damage. And that's, that's what it was like. So uh, what had ended up happening, because this visit at this this uh, facility was very short-lived, and I was pretty discouraged with the facility within the first couple days. I, I went into a totally different type of depression just based on the fact that I was trapped somewhere I knew was not right for me. And, uh, and, it, and it was legitimately true, and whatever the higher power is out there, I think honestly gets it because I, I ended up out of there. And it was... It was based on, uh, we were messing around with the ventilator and they took me off. Well, when they put me back on, they had everything set up at kind of, kind of a higher rating. So as soon as that hit my lungs, I ended up collapsing my left lung in this facility. But the worst part was the night before. So the night before this happened, I tripped the call out. I felt a bad case of diarrhea. I hate that. I hate that name. Could they have not have came up with a better, a better name for diarrhea? I don't, I don't know. 
I just I'm thinking something a little more friendly and not so uh, so disturbing because <laughs> it, it sounds like a real disturbing uh, name but I tripped call out because I felt myself I, I, I had a bad case of it and on top of that the tube feeding the nozzle I think I described in the uh, one of the last episodes that if if that valve is closed it will not let that tube feed go in there so there's a pump pushing this feeding through that tube they turn the pump on and walk away well in this particular case they walked away and they didn't turn that valve to allow the food to go into my uh, stomach they they forgot to open that valve so it just pressured up and blew the hose off and sat there and pumped out a whole bag of tube feeding all over me i was it was quite nasty honestly but then as the the uh the night had went on i uh i ended up i, I was i felt the diarrhea and i tripped the call light and i remember looking out there and i could see that call light going off and the next part of this is absolutely horrifying to know that there's facilities out there that pull certain things like this the experience i had when i tripped that call light and i laid there staring at the ceiling staring at the doorway watching that light go off very disturbing we're gonna get into that in the next episode we're all out of time for this one i'll bring you back when i get back here i'll uh i will fill you in on what kind of horrible stuff happened next because the whole story starts to take a kick right here. So y'all have a good night. God bless. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening.